Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. wonder how you are today. Today's Friday and, well, the weekend is almost coming. The semi-lockdown has started and I wonder how you're coming along. Some of you may find this a welcome rest. You don't have to rush to work anymore. You stay at home and you can take things a little easier. Others of you are feeling a lot more stressed because you realise that working from home is so much more difficult than working in the office. You've got so much more work to one meeting after another and you're feeling really stressed. And of course, some of you have to share or compete for the internet and then you have to take care of your children too who are not in school. They're all staying at home. So I wonder how you are coming along today. Just a few days ago, I woke up totally stressed because I had overcommitted myself to many, many talks and difficult assignments. It wasn't as though they were run-on-mill stuff that I could just do and do and do, but they required a lot of thinking and I can't think when I'm exhausted. And so I woke up in a panic, realizing the number of commitments that I had made, that wondering how I could do it. And of course, my first reaction was to rush into work. But then I realized that rather than rush into work one after another frantically, it, was, it made a lot more sense to spend time before God and to cast my burdens one at a time. That way I also could take stock of what issues I had because I'd take one assignment at a time and place it at the feet of Jesus. And more than just placing it at the feet of Jesus, then I could talk to God and ask Him for strength, for mental resilience to handle each of these preparations and each of these talks. You know, after doing that, I realized that the anxiety had left and I was able then to focus on one assignment at a time without feeling so overwhelmed by many, many assignments. And so I realized, and I want to remind you all again that at times when you feel most stressed those are the times when you need to be silent and just take some time to not be overwhelmed by the volume of work the volume of your responsibilities and I'm sure many of you have so many coming down on you like an avalanche just be still and then bring each of your challenges and burdens to God and let him lift them or let him give you strength at any rate as you come before God and you look at your assignments and look at all the job responsibilities allow God to lift those burdens it's important to be still at the start of the day rather than running frantically but even as much as it is important to Start with God at the beginning by casting your cares and perhaps even by reading the Bible or by listening to this podcast or by some other means thinking of God. It is important to end the day once again with thanking God. It's so tempting just to fall asleep or to read something else, read your last project uh, to in preparation for the next day or rush helter-skelter, bringing your kids to bed, to rushing through your work and then finally collapsing, exhausted in bed. 
rather than doing that, perhaps you could set a resolution, resolve in your mind that every night before you sleep, you're going to spend at least 10 minutes, if not more, to go through the events of the day. It's so important because when you think of the number of things that God has done for you during that day, remember in the morning when you had pleaded with God for strength or you had cast your burdens upon God, and at night when you look back and to see what God, what strength God has given you, or how God twist, turned around various situations, such that though your problems seemed to be overwhelming, you survived the day and you more than survived the day because you had so many blessings to thank God for. It's so important to do that too. For your own sake, not even because you need to be grateful to God or whatever else, though those are good, but just for our own sakes. If we could pause and think of how God ordered our day, how God answered our prayers, how God gave us strength, we will so much more be convinced that He is God who watches over us, who hears our prayers, takes our burdens and gives us strength. And so let me remind you how to do it. You be still now, shut your eyes and think of what happened in the morning. When you woke up, perhaps when you prayed, did you feel peace as you prayed? Did you feel an intimacy with God as you spoke with Him and as you read the Bible, listened to the Bible or the podcast? And then your encounters with your wife or husband, did that change? Was that good? Was that a blessing? And perhaps breakfast, time with kids. And then the day starts, the phone calls, the stresses, the need to keep house, children's problems, children's school problems, all crashing in. But did you feel a sense of peace as God resolved each issue one at a time? And even when you thought you couldn't handle it, you found that you could and you could even do so with peace. Go through that day now, a little at a time, one incident at a time. And for every event where there is some great something that God did, just say to God, God, thank you, thank you. And then move on till you reach where you are now. Okay, so I'll just, why don't you just pop, put, press the pause button and do that right now. And when you're done, then we'll continue with our devotions. Let us pray first. Father, we know that you keep blessing us because we are each of us apple of your eye. And Lord, you watch over us, our coming in, our going out, our lying down and our standing, rising up. Because Lord, you love us so much. And your word says that you are before us, you're behind us. And you place your hand on us. And so now, Lord, as we want to think about the blessings for this morning, for, for the morning, that you cause our from for the day we pray that you will cause our minds to recall every blessing that you have given to us that indeed we may know that life with you is a wonderful life we ask in jesus name 
Amen. Well, let's continue now. Today we will deal work with work on Acts chapter three. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word and then place your word into our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up immediately. His feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power, our piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here was an incident when a beggar, someone who was lame by birth, was sitting at the beautiful gate of the, of the temple. Peter and John then walked by and saw him. After that then... Um, 
Crowds of people came when they saw the healing take place, and Peter then explained to them what had happened. Now let me point out some lessons that I, some observations that I learned from this passage. The first is that Peter and John went to the temple, and there he saw a man who was slain from birth. And this man was begging. What happens when we meet with beggars? Usually we decide, well, I'll give you some money and we throw in some loose change. If it's someone who's selling tissues, we just buy the tissue. What it says here in verse 4 is that Peter directed his gaze at him as did John. Peter and John looked at this man. They noticed the man. They didn't just look, notice the man, but they gazed at him. You know, it's so important to notice the people around us. Just on Monday, while we were doing devotions, Paul, who led the devotions, asked us to pray for those who are suffering from COVID. But rather than just asking us to pray, he showed us images, images of people in their suffering and said, look at them. And as we looked, something else took place in our hearts. It wasn't just praying in a vacuum. As we looked, there was compassion. As we looked, we realized the things, the gravity of the things that were happening. It's important to look. The next time you give alms to a beggar or someone who comes for help, don't just throw in your loose change. Look at them. Because by looking, by seeing who they are, what they're like, what they're going through, it humanizes them, but it does something to our hearts makes us compassionate. But not just by looking, because John, Peter and John then said, look at us. I realized how important those three words were to this beggar. If you are familiar with culture in the Middle East and even in Asia, we are very proud and shame-induced people. We are easily shamed. Once while on holiday in France, there were many beggars who came from the Middle East. And every time there was a beggar from the Middle East, we recognized something about them. They refused to look up. Because for them, it was so shameful to be begging. They would never beg unless they were truly starving or they needed help for their family members. If they could hold any job, they would. Because shame is such a big thing for them. I'm sure it's very much like in Singapore too, among Chinese too. It is painfully shameful to beg. And so I can imagine this lame beggar at the temple, putting his head down, hoping that no one would see him, hiding his face as much as he could, and just begging for money. And Peter and John said to him, Look at us. It once again affirmed this man's humanity, that there was no, nothing to be ashamed of, neither poverty nor the need to beg, nothing that they would despise. But they were saying to him, look at us as a person. You know, as I think about this, I think of the people that stand in the corner selling tissue paper. And if you looked at them, some of them have more dignity, others are also ashamed. What if we stop to talk to them? Just anything, ask them how the day is, 
are, some of you are much better at this. I'm terrible at it because I'm really an introvert. Yet sometimes I do try, but you know, I, I think some of you are really good at making conversation. It is when you do something like that that you see miracles happen too. That when you stop to engage someone, engage someone who may be feeling ashamed because they're begging from you, and you took time to not only look at them, but to ask them to look at you, eye to eye, eye contact, affirming that you are both human beings, people of dignity. This was what Peter and John affirmed to this lame man. But what then did they do? Well, first of all, they had no money. But then that, that didn't stop them because, well, they had a lot of other things. And so Peter and John said to this lame man, we don't have silver, we don't have gold, we don't have any money, but let us give you whatever we have. And that's something that's important for us all to remember. That sometimes we see a person in need and we don't know what to do. Maybe we have some money, maybe we don't. In this case, Peter and John had something powerful. They had the ability to, the power to heal this man. And we feel also, well, I don't even have that. I don't have money, I don't have power to heal that man. But what these two persons said was most important. Whatever I have, I give to you. There is no human being on earth who has nothing to offer another person. Remember this, there's no person, no human being on earth that has nothing to offer another person. You may not have money, you may not have the power to heal, and yet you have something to give. Perhaps it's a prayer, a quiet prayer. Perhaps it's a, an act of kindness. Perhaps even stopping by to talk, even if you had nothing to give. Don't assume that all they want is money from you. Yes, they need the money. But sometimes even if you had nothing or very little, if you pause to talk with them, it makes all the difference. When my daughter was studying in the UK, she, she would meet a lot of homeless people and not only, sometimes she'd give them money and if she didn't, she'd sit with them and chat with them. And it makes so much difference to the homeless, to the poor, if someone bothered to spend time with them. You know, there was a saying, I may not be smart, but I am kind. And kindness is the most important thing. Often we think that being smart is something to be treasured. We need fewer smart people, a lot more kind people. Kindness can go a long way in ministering to people. Just on Monday, we were at a staff meeting and we were talking about ways of ministering the congregation. And one of the things that I learned that was being done last year during the lockdown was that some members would uh, buy food for others and send by grab just as a surprise. They would give treats, drinks, a meal. And this act of kindness became infectious because those who received a meal then thought of who else they could buy a meal for at their own expense. And if acts of kindness can go viral, one person caring for another, showing kindness to another, how wonderful that will be. 
This is one of the things that I learned about Agape Methodist Church. There is so much of this going on. One day I visited a lady and she said, you know when she was ill, someone just quickly bought her some medicine, left it in her hands and hurried away. What a wonderful gesture. If we could keep doing this, because kindness is something that we can give to each other, there is no such thing as a person who has nothing to give to another. But of course, in this case, the apostles Peter and John had the power to heal and he healed. they healed this lame man, got him up and started walking. I do believe very much in the power of healing. I've seen it my own, with my own eyes. I know God continues to do it. And yet I also realize that God doesn't always do it and it is not healing on demand. In this case, he healed. But there were many other beggars at the temple. This man was healed. And perhaps we will find a reason for that. But I want us to move to the second part then, to understand a little more about this power that the apostles had. When Peter and John healed this man, everyone else came running to them and gawking at them. But in verse 12, <clears throat> Peter said to the people, Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? <clears throat> Why do you look at us as though it is by our power or our piety that has done this? This is such an important point. The apostles themselves, maybe they were shocked also at what had happened. Certainly it was not something they intended to do. It just happened. And they were surprised and they too were filled with awe. And they knew right away there was nothing to do with their being pious, nothing to do with their being closer to God, nothing to do with them having intrinsic power at all. What they were saying was simply, we are simply the channels of God's blessing. It was Jesus who healed. We didn't do anything at all. It was faith in him that he is the healer that made all the difference. I pray that this will be our attitude in all things. Perhaps as you avail yourself to God, even in this time of COVID, and people say how blessed they are because of you. Remember, it is God who does the work. Whether it is a kind word or a prayer or a sermon or devotion or Bible study, when people are blessed, and maybe it was miracles or people were healed, how wonderful it would be if all of us in this church acknowledged that it is not us. And therefore we feel less slighted or not slighted at all when we are not chosen or when people do not praise us for the work that we have done. <clears throat> but simply to be in awe that we were conduits of God's goodness and God's power. <clears throat> it would be such a wonderful thing. But I want to talk now about the power of Jesus. Jesus is described in verse 15 as the author of life. It is Jesus, the author of life, and by his name, verse 16, and his name, by faith in his name, that this man is healed. By faith in God, in Jesus, who is the author of life. Think of that. Whenever you think about see someone in need, 
see someone who's down, see someone who's broken or ill, think of Jesus, the author of life. He is the one who created life. He's the one who continues to give life. We don't know what he will do, but we know that he will give health and life, whether it is physical or spiritual, emotional, that he will heal and minister to those in need because he writes life itself. And then, but you know when we think about healing, we see here in verse 19 and verse 20 that the physical healing wasn't highlight of this work. I would say that healing, the physical healing is more an attention grabber. It shows most obviously the power of God. But it isn't the goal of the Holy Spirit. The goal of the Holy Spirit was this in verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That is so much more important. Sometimes God heals physically. Sometimes God does miracles and signs. But always the purpose is that God wants to refresh the person. When that person turns to God and turns away from old practices, from old thoughts, when God comes and is present with that person, then there will be times of refreshing. <clears throat> and so while we allow God and we accept that God does heal physically, and whenever a sick person comes, we will want to pray for healing, bear in mind that foremost of your mind that the ultimate healing is not that of the physical, but it's that of the spirit. And that healing is only one sign of God that He is powerful, that He is the author of life. But as you remember that He is the author of life, then what He wants to do is to heal the heart and the soul of the person. A story I read when I was young was about a faith healer, a very powerful faith healer who, who prayed and many people were healed. And one day she walked to she saw a girl with her limbs that were mangled, cerebral palsy. This girl was, had hair that was unwashed because no one would wash her hair for her. She was just miserable, sitting there begging for alms. And the faith healer went to her and started to pray and pray that this girl would be healed physically, that her arms and her legs would be straightened out and made whole again. And after much prayer, Nothing happened. And the faith healer then asked God, God, what do you want me to do? I prayed for her and no healing, no physical healing has taken place. And then she got the answer. She sat down next to the girl, took out her hairbrush and began to brush the girl's hair. As she did that, she held out a mirror to the girl. And as the girl saw her mangled hair turning straightening and just looking much better she broke out into a broad smile god had used his faith healer not to heal that girl physically but to let that girl know have a glimpse of how beautiful she was god wanted to heal that girl's spirit first of all the physical healing could come could come later as god always provides ways 
But God wanted to touch that girl's spirit and let her know that someone cared enough to allow her own beauty to be shown. That was the work of God in refreshing. God wants to work in each of us, but we need to take that first step first to look at the people in need and let them look at us and we interact with them. And then we ask ourselves, what do I have? Do I have money? Do I have education? Do I have power to heal? What do I have? Whatever I have, let me give some of you, some of it to you. It could simply be an act of kindness. It will always have to be an act of kindness. It depends on how that's manifested. As we do so, allow God then to use us to minister in the ways that He chooses, whether it is a powerful healing of the body or it is a powerful and quiet healing of the spirit. God wants to work through each of you. And so today, as you begin your day, Take time to ask God to use whatever you have that you might be a blessing. You might be one who will bring refreshment in the presence of God to someone else. Let us pray. Father, you have called us to be your instruments of grace. You've given us this privilege to see miracles take place before our eyes. That though we are the channels, we will say, it's nothing about my piety, nothing about my power, but thank you that others are healed because you are the author of life. We ask this for the whole church, Lord, and for each of us as we begin our day or end our day. But indeed, Lord, we may see you work through us. And many who are touched will have times of refreshing from your presence as they turn to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, you have a really good weekend, blessed weekend. I don't know whether uh, we'll be seeing each other this Sunday, but, well, just keep at it. Just keep your thoughts tender before the Lord. God bless you and goodbye.